Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. So, today's title is, uh, what was that? Check up. Check up. John had to check me up. It's like playing basketball and you have to check up with the guy before you start playing, right? But check up. So anyway, we're going to get into Scripture here. And um, we're going to start Matthew, the 17th chapter and the 14th verse. You have your Bible, you can turn there, your phone, whatever you use. But I want to get you called up first. So Jesus is on uh, Mount Transfiguration. That's where, the, that's where the chapter starts. It starts off saying, after six days, uh, Peter, James, and... Uh, uh, t- Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to Mount Transfiguration, Right? And he has a meeting with the Old Testament. He has a meeting with Moses and Elijah. <coughs> Excuse me. So it was, a, it was quite an event, to say the least. You can imagine what the disciples saw before their very eyes. It's very powerful. It's an amazing thing. You know they were praising. You know they were worshiping. You know they were shouting. And so, meanwhile, while they're up there on the mountain and these things are taking place, there's something else going on in the valley, in the valley below. What's going on in the valley below is there's a a man there with a son and his son's got issues. So Jesus comes down the mountain here. It says, And when they had come to the multitude, that means Jesus was coming down the mountain, a man came to him kneeling down, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon And it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, and you've heard people say mustard seed faith. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Let me cut this off. Uh, I'm back with you. So, here, here's this man. He brings his son. This is a real man with a real problem, with a real son who's got problems. This is real life. When I read the Scripture, I always try to put myself into the Scripture, into the story. If I were there, if this was me, if this was my problem, Jesus is talking to me or Jesus is talking to them. It helps you when you put yourself into the story. Amen? So this is a real father with a real son with real problems. There's some real fathers here with some real sons, some real daughters, and, and real fathers with real problems. We can, we can, a lot of us can, can relate. Maybe you don't have a son or a daughter with this problem, but you can relate. You're a father. You know it's life. It's real. Satan's real. He's an enemy. He's the adversary. He's out there to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's brought him to these disciples. So he's got the best deliverance preachers of that day right there. You know, some people go to 
different churches to be delivered. Or you, you find out about a deliverance preacher or something, you go to, you try to go to the best. Just like if you get hurt, um, you get sick, you get injured. Well, you don't want to just go to anybody. You want to seek out who's the best. So this man has come to the best. And um, it seems that they, they don't have any, uh, no power over the situation because nothing was, had changed. Nothing got better. They laid hands on him. They spoke the word over him. They, they probably anointed him with oil. But nothing got better. Nothing changed. You know? Have you ever done that before where you've come to the Lord with a situation and it's like, did you go on vacation? You know, God, are you on vacation? Because nothing's changing in my life. It seems like I have no power over this situation. And I'm trying my best. I'm doing my best. They were doing their best. They had tried everything. And there's people right here in this room and at the sound of my voice on on the uh, out that's tried everything and your dreams are still unfulfilled and just things in your life that are undone. Thanks for the silence. I'm the only one that's ever had any issues in life. No, y'all know what I'm talking about. You're at the age that you are, but you really thought when you got to this age, you would be so much further along. Happily married with two or three kids, big house, and all these different things going on, and just peace in my home, and no issues. But the reality is, you're that age, and you've been divorced twice. Kids are acting one way or the other, and uh, you don't want to. You don't want to invite anybody over to your house because there's no peace up in the place. Or oh, whatever. We could give examples for days. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, I'm pretty happy with my life. I'm pretty satisfied, I'll be honest with you. I'm liking it. I'm loving it. But did I think that I would be here at the age of 44? No. I did think I would be much further advanced, I'll be honest with you. But I have been down some detours um, that have set me back, and I reflect back on it, and it was my choice. I did the wrong thing, made the wrong move, went the wrong direction, listened to the wrong voice. Um. But you know what? God's merciful and His mercies are new every day. Amen? Even when we're unfaithful, He's still faithful. So anyway, that's the people I'm talking to this morning. People that maybe you feel like you're down in the valley and you tried everything. What do you do when you tried everything and it just doesn't seem like it's working? Check up. Check up. You know, these things happen to everybody but me. Everybody else in church is getting healed. I saw them pray for so-and-so and I heard the praise report and they got healed. Well, everybody else is being financially blessed. Oh, I'm looking at it. Look at the, what they're driving, the clothes they're wearing and the money that they're giving out to ministries and helping people. They're financially blessed. How come they're getting financially blessed but I'm not? And you look at some people that you see that are financially blessed that don't even believe in God. And then you're thinking, what in the world's going on here? They've got a great marriage. Why don't I have a great marriage? Their kids behave in mind when they tell them to do it or not to do it, but mine don't. Why not? What's wrong with my kids? Why am I running buck wild? What in the world? I guess I'm getting pays from a, uh, what's it called, paying for your raising? Well, that's, you know what? Me and my sister are pretty good kids. That's, that can't be true. Because my mother was a bad kid. 
Just saying. Actually, my sister used to be a pretty bratty little kid, but <laughs> she got filled with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, boy, I could tell you some stories about her. There's, there's, something, there's something else. <clears throat> Jackie, man, Jackie were dating. We came over to the house. I think we went to Subway, sitting at the kitchen table, eating our Subway. Caitlin was just a little bitty thing, maybe five or six, seven, I don't know. And she comes in there. <clears throat> well, it does matter. Let's see. She was six. Five or six, five or six right now. She comes in there and she just reaches up and takes the sandwich out of my wife, my girlfriend's hand, takes a bite of it, goes gross, threw it in the garbage can and walked off. <clears throat> well, Jackie had never seen anything quite like that. And I was like, let's see what I have to deal with. Good times. But... um. There's nothing wrong with God. There's nothing wrong with Jesus. There's nothing wrong with the Holy Spirit. Amen. I was thinking this week about something. There's a, on that side of the building upstairs, there's a unit, AC unit that runs those rooms. It's been down for like two years. Two years. And um, this fellow I know that's in his 80s, <clears throat> who has a lot of experience, he's been doing it for 60 plus years. And he's become a good friend of mine. He just calls, says, is there anything I can help you with? And I said, I think I'm pretty good. And he said, well, is there something at the church? Anything at all I can help you with? Just let me help you with something. And I'm thinking, you're like 80-something years old. I should be helping you. So he, I said, well, if you just, I mean, if he's insisting. I said, well, meet me up there. So he comes over there. And I mean, just in a matter of just, now I'm his hands. You know, like I do the tools and stuff. He's like, do this, do that. And just in a matter of minutes, <clears throat> uh, several people have looked at that unit and tried to figure it out. We basically just chalked it up as a loss, to be honest with you. Just in a, I mean, 10 minutes, he said, well, here's your problem right here. Ooh, it's running, blowing ice cubes up there every Sunday. But you know what the problem was? There's a loose connection. The power was there. The power had been there the whole entire time. And the air conditioning unit had been there the whole entire time, but there was a loose connection. God's there the whole time. Holy Spirit's there the whole time. He's never, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. There's a loose connection. So if you're down in the valley and everybody else is getting it but you and you're wondering why, and I've tried this and I've tried that, but nothing else is changing, what do you need to do? Well, we need to check up. Check up because there's every evidently obviously a loose connection somewhere so first thing we're going to check up on is our own life <clears throat> check up on our own life what does that mean well i tell myself this often and i personally tell some of my close friends this <clears throat> i wouldn't just tell anybody this that i don't know that well because they'll get mad at you and they don't want to hear anything that you got to say you got to be careful i've learned that but if my close friends i just hit them with it straight now or i wouldn't be a close friend you know what i'm saying and I want y'all to hit me straight too. And sometimes you get hit straight, you don't like it. But you know that the person cares more about your well-being than your feelings. So you might get a little, uh, mm, you know, a little, I don't like that at first. But then you go think about it and then you think, they're right. They love me. <clears throat> but check up on yourself. I tell them this. Most of the time your problems in life, if you just go into your bathroom, cut the lights on, 
and look in that mirror, you'll see the problem right there looking at you. Most of the problems in my life is right there in that mirror. That's just, that's just it. Most of the time, now I'm not in control of other people. Some other people do things and they present you with an opportunity to get mad or to react. But you don't have to. You don't, you don't have to get mad. They can't make you mad. They can put something in front of you and you can choose to get mad. You understand what I'm saying? Nobody can make you do drugs. They can put them in front of you and you can choose to do them. And um, so the first thing is check up on your own life, the mirror. Basically draw a circle and just say, I'm going to draw a circle around my life, God. And if there's anything inside this circle right here, please show it to me. Something I need to work on, something I need to change. Because we want to blame the employer. It's your job. I need a new job. It's my wife. I need a new wife. It's my husband. I need a new husband. It's my church. I need a new church. And you've got several churches, several jobs, several wives, husbands, boyfriends, whatever it is. But you keep coming back to the same thing. At some point in life, you've got to realize where the common denominator is. Most of the time, it's in that mirror. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, we expect God to... Answer our prayers, no matter how we live. We're just going to live any old way we want to and do what we want to. We're going to do our will, not His will. And we expect Him to answer all our prayers. I mean, think about it. You don't even have to be a Bible scholar or even know any Scripture to know that that don't even sound right. I'm going to go out in the world and live like a fool. God answer my prayers. So let's, let's put ourselves in God's shoes just for a moment. Why would I want to answer your prayers? Why would I want to bless you? I'm going to heal you so that you can go out and, and live for the devil. I'm going to financially bless you so that you can go out and live for the world and live for the devil. Well, would you want to do that? Think about, uh, uh, let's just take Alabama and Clemson, for example, since they played for the national championship last year. Now, if either coach... Swinney or Saban said, here's what we're going to do. Saban said, I want to take some of this money we've got, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and I'm going to hire a coaching staff to go up to Clemson to help them get better so they can beat me. Or if, if Sweeney said, I'm going to hire a coaching staff to go down to Bama to help them get better to beat me, does that make any sense whatsoever at all? Well, no. So, we're going to live any old way we want to and go out and live in the world. That's what it is, living in the world. You don't realize that you're serving one God or the other. You're going to do your will or God's will. One or the other. But I want you to bless me so I can go out and live in, in the world. I want you to heal me so I can go out and party harder. We laugh, but we've all done these things. I've done it before. God, why ain't you healing me? Why am I not getting healed? Why am I struggling? And look in the mirror. To draw a circle around. There's something I need to be working on? Well, yeah, there's things we need to be working on. Amen? He isn't, he, we're not supposed to live in the world. The world is supposed to see a difference in us. And in, first, in 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, the 14th verse... Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness uh, with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Well, the nine. 
Does that mean I'm not supposed to hang around unbelievers or be around them at all? Just go up to them, do you believe in Jesus? You don't, and then run away? No, we're supposed to witness to them. But it's talking about being equally yoked. He's talking about you're a child of the light and you're going to go out and hang out with darkness. No, you should go into the darkness and illuminate it. They should see a difference between you and others. And what accord has Christ uh, with Bilal? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God and and as God has said... I will dwell in them and walk among them. I'll be their God and they shall be my people. And this is what I was getting to right here. Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. Come out from among them and be separate. It's just as simple as that. We're not supposed to go in amongst them and be the same. He's calling us to come out from them and be separate. There should be some difference. The world should be able to tell a difference. If they put you on stand, would they find enough evidence to rule you guilty as being a Christian? Well, would they? Well, I sure hope so. You'll be known by your fruits. But we're called out to be separate, to be separate, to, to live a separate life. He says, I'll be the father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord uh, Almighty. Are we living for Him or are we living for the Lord? I mean for the world. Come out from amongst them and be ye separate. So the first thing is check up on your own life. And that's a biggie. We could probably just stop right there. Have an altar call and if we're all honest, majority of people will be down front. Because we've all got issues and none of us are perfect. And... Um, Check up on your promises. Check up on promises. What does that mean? Well, you need a definite promise. And what are you believing for? What do you want? What is it that you need? Well, you need to find a promise in God's Word. And the only way you're going to do that is if you open that book up. It's called the Word of God. And it's full of promises, things that belong to you and I. And you open that book up and you find a promise in there that you can apply to your life. Now you got something to believe for. Now you got something to stand on because it's a promise. He said, I promise it to you. It's a promise. You'll follow me. Is there anything in this word that says we should have it? That's the question. Is there anything in this word that says we should have it? Well, you won't ever know until you get into the word. And I tell you what, I want everything in this word that's available to me. I want it all. Every last bit of it. You should as well. Don't cut yourself short. Take it all. He went to the cross and died for you, not for you to get half of it, but to get all of it. Amen? Amen. It's good stuff. So, Matthew the 8th chapter, the 16th verse. When evening had come, they brought to him any who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and healed all who were sick. That's, 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 the, that's beautiful. He healed all who were sick. He healed all who were sick. Did he skip over some and say, this is too big of a problem? It says he healed all that were sick. Well, what happened? They came to him and he healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled, uh, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. See, that's a promise to stand on. 
The Word of God says, He took our infirmities and bore our sickness. By His stripes we were healed. That's a promise. So we're standing on that scripture for a healing. I've got a promise and I'm going to stand on it. My word right here tells me healing belongs to me. I know it don't look like it. I know the doctor says something contrary. But the word of God says it is promised right here by the stripes on Jesus' back. We were healed. The blood was shed for you and I so that we may be healed. That's a scripture to stand on. You can stand on many. Check up on your promises. And my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's going to supply all my needs. That's a promise. Do you understand? We're serving a God that's not a liar. He can't lie. One of His commandments is thou shalt not lie. He can't break His own commandments. It's a, he can't even go against His own nature. It's a completely and totally impossible for God to lie. He can't lie because He is truth. He doesn't tell the truth. He literally is truth. See, the truth. He can't lie. It's impossible. That's like a, a fire being an ice cube at the same time. It's not. It's a fire. And He's the fire. And He's the truth. He'll supply what you need. For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. One of the most uh, uh, popular scriptures in the entirety of the Bible, Jeremiah 29, 11. Atheists know it. Don't they? That in John 3, 16. Well, you got to look at this thing as a promise. He said, I've got thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a hope, a future and a hope. He don't want to hurt you. He don't want to make you sick. He, he's not there to bring pain into your life. He's giving you hope and giving you a future. He's got thoughts of peace towards you. He says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. Now here's the thing on this Jeremiah 29, 11. He's got thoughts. He's got plans. He's got a hope. He's got a future for you. And people don't read the rest of it. You've got to keep on rolling on down here until you get to the 13th verse. And you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. A lot of people just give me a little teeny weeny bit of your heart till it starts to get a little uncomfortable. You know what I'm talking about? We're going to let him drive for a minute till he's not mashing the gas hard enough and you slide him on over and you take over the wheel and mash the gas on down. Seek him with all your heart, with all your heart, with every bit of your heart. And the best example I can give of this is um, a little kid at the pool and I've given it probably 10, 15, 20 times. You know, adults, we go up to the swimming pool and we stick our foot in and we say, ooh, that's cold. Little kid, as soon as mama gets finished smearing the sunscreen on their face, they just take off running and they're just, they're just jumping off in the pool. That's jumping in with all your heart. That's giving him all your heart. And as adults, that's what we're supposed to do. Just jump in and trust him, amen? Sometimes you feel like you're alone and where is he at? I don't know where he's at. Well, he promises he promises He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. You see it right there on the screen. You read it with your own eyes. He's the one who goes before you. He'll be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Sometimes we do get scared. Sometimes we get, do get in fear. Sometimes you do feel like you're alone. But He's promised you, I haven't gone anywhere. If anybody's run off, it's you. I've been here the whole time. Just like the prodigal son, his daddy was there the whole time. And then the son came back home, found out daddy was right there, loved him just as much as he did when he left. And God's no different. 
He's not left you. He's not forsaken you. And if you've run off, He's ready to put the robe on you, the ring on you, the sandals on you, and kill a big old fat calf and roast some filet mignons on the grill. Amen. Check up on your on yourself, on your own life. Check up on the promises. Check up on your confessions. Check up on your confessions. That's a biggie. That's a biggie. What's coming out of your mouth? What's coming out of your mouth? Well, that church up there told me God wanted us to be prosperous, but my daddy was poor, and my granddaddy was poor, and I'm poor, and I guess I'm just born into it. I guess I'll just always poor. I won't ever have no money. But they told me up there, God wants to bless me. But I'm, I reckon I'll just be poor. I hear people talk like this. It's just funny, but it's not, because people talk that way. That church up there said, they prayed for me. They told me by His stripes we were supposed to be healed, that we were already healed. They said, past tense. They said, all I got to do is believe it and receive it. They read the scripture. I read it myself. Saw it on the screen. But I, the doctor said, and I ain't feeling too healed. And, you know, my papa had a heart attack. My dad had a heart attack. And, well, they say I'm a good candidate for a heart attack. What about marriage? Well, I'm supposed to have a good marriage. But it looks like when I picked a husband, I got the last rotten apple in the batch. I've been standing on the Word believing that he'll go to church with me one day or he'll do more than go to church. He'll actually live it when he leaves church, when he goes home, and be a good example to my kids and be the father that... Uh, he was called to be, but I just don't know. He ain't seen, you know, just blah, 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 a bunch of negative talk. All he wants to do is sit in front of the TV, watch sports all day, don't even know I'm alive. He's worthless. Shouldn't have married him. Last rotten apple in the batch. Come on, Jesus, just come on back and take me. You want to hear something funny? So my boys went to school this week. I said... How'd you like it? And uh, Kyle said, I hate it. And he said, I hope Jesus comes back soon. <laughs> he wasn't kidding. He was dead serious. Never cracked a smile. I said, dang, must be bad up there. But you know what? When you hear somebody say, I hope Jesus comes back soon, that lets you know that they believe that there is a Jesus and that there is a heaven and it's very real. Like the baseball joke I told last week, good news and bad news. Hey, that's good news, baby. Heaven's a good thing. That's, 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 that's the prize, right? Negative talk. People think it don't matter what comes out of your mouth. It says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Well, first of all, you got trash coming out of your mouth and you just don't even know why. Why is this junk coming out of my mouth? Why am I talking like this? I don't even want to talk like this. I don't want to use curse words like this or I don't want to be negative towards my husband or my wife or my kids or my job or my own life or the situation, whatever it is. Well, this right here says keep your heart with diligence. That, you got to protect your heart. you got to protect what you're putting in that thing. 
You got to protect. How do you put things in it with your eyes and with your ears? You're putting things in when you're watching programs, when you're listening to music, you're listening to the TV, or listening to other people talk around you, or listening to all the lies on the news. Because they tell you about everything that's terrible, how bad it is, and if you listen to them, we might as well all get together right now, hold hands and jump off a cliff somewhere. But what comes out of your mouth is important. And what comes out of your mouth is uh, uh, directly connected to what goes into your heart. Amen? Matthew, the 12th chapter, 33rd verse. Either make the tree good and its uh, fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Now, if you spend any time in the Word of God and you've put some Word in you and you've got it hidden in your heart and you get around people, you can pick up on things real quick. Real quick. Sometimes without them even saying a word, you can pick up on it. You can just tell something's off, something's wrong. Something, something ain't right right here. That's why the Holy Spirit works. But by its fruit, as soon as somebody starts talking, having a conversation, you can tell where their heart is by the way they talk. Now, they can change their speech and try to change it when they're around you. That's why I don't go around telling people, hey, I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor, let me introduce myself as Pastor Red. I just want them to be themselves. Talk like you always do. But you can tell a tree by its fruit. A pear tree doesn't grow bananas. And Jesus is saying that because He says, brood of vipers, how can you being evil... Speak good things, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You're full of evil. Of course you're not going to speak good things. So if you're going to speak good things over your husband, over your wife, over your life, you've got to put some good things in you. This word right here is what I'm talking about. Amen? It's important. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and the evil man out of evil treasure brings forth bad things. I think that's, I don't think I need to explain that any further. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it on the day of judgment. Now that's, that's something. You can say, oh, I'm just kidding around. I didn't mean that. You know I wasn't being serious. But don't, the Word of God right here says it. Don't get mad at me. But it says every idle word that men speak, they will give account on the day of judgment. You know, Jesus didn't go around just talking a lot and just saying a lot of nonsense and being goofy, did He? Pretty much the things He said were serious. Does that mean we can't cut up and tell a joke or have fun with one another? No, of course not. But you need to be careful what you say. Be careful what you say. You shouldn't be speaking negative things over your life and say, I'm just kidding. I go so far as to say, you know, people say, "Uh, that scares me to death. I don't say that because it's not going to scare me to death. It scared me to life. I'm freezing to death. I'm not freezing to death. I'm just going to get me a jacket. And you may say, well, that is absolutely crazy. You need to just go ahead and get used to talking like that. Don't say anything negative about yourself. Don't say anything negative about your life. Let's say, where was I at this week? Uh... Oh, yes, we're working over here at a little house in Gardendale for a little while. And the man said, just got the call, got babysit today. He said, oh, them grandkids. He said, one of them is the spawn of Satan. <laughs> He's a little demon child. And I'll be honest with you, hair on the back of my neck stood up. 
You going to call your grandson the spawn of Satan and a demon child? You shouldn't talk like that over your kids. The kid's not a spawn of Satan. He's a gift from God. And he's not a demon. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. By your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. Well, I don't like the way, I don't like my marriage. Well, how are you talking about it? Maybe you've created it with your mouth. Maybe if you don't like it, you ought to start talking differently. Speaking differently. I don't like the way my finances look. Well, maybe you've created that. I look back in my life, I created a lot of things because of a big old fat mouth. Don't know when to shut up. Still do sometimes. Check up on your confessions. Check up on uh, the arena that you fight Satan in and say, what in the world does that mean? Well, you can fight him in the arena of reason or you can fight him in the arena of faith. And what I mean that is you're going to lose if you fight in the arena of reason and that's where he wants to fight you because he's always going to win there. He likes to pick his opponents. You know, you've heard about people never lost a fight. Well, they picked their opponents well. If there's a man out there that says, I've never lost a fight in my entire life, well, all I can tell you is you've picked your opponents very well because there's somebody out there that will turn that thing around for you. Satan likes to pick his opponents while he wants to fight you in the arena of reason, which means my body hurts, so I must be sick. The bank said it, so it must be so. Or whatever, we could give examples for days. I'm going by reason. My body hurts. Or you can go by the arena of faith. By stripes, I am healed. By stripes, I am healed. I just received a message, and I was talking a little bit about it to to, to stick yesterday and it, it disturbs me because I'm reading this message and I, and I know where the man's relationship is with the Lord or at least where he believes in the area of healing. Now he may believe Jesus died on the cross for him. He may believe his sins are forgiven. He's going to heaven. I sure hope so. I don't know him personally. I've never even uh, spoke to him. Uh, I texted him once or twice. <clears throat> but I don't know him. He, he lives off, way off somewhere. But he said he just got bad news from the doctor. Now, just a couple of weeks ago, he was looking for some people to go out and, and do some things with. No mention of not feeling well. He was evidently feeling good because he was wanting to go on a road trip for like a week. Looking for some people to go with him and spend, uh, help absorb the cost. And two weeks later, he goes to the merch room because he's not feeling well. And they said, you only have a few days to live. Talking about one extreme to the other. You have a few days to live. So in his big letter, he was telling, he said, I've chose to spend these last minutes of my life with my family. And I, it saddened me. Because I know he's not, he's not fighting at all. He didn't say anything about the Word. He didn't say anything about standing on the Word of God or anything. He, just, he is basically reason. They said it, so I'm going to die. In just a few days here, just a few moments. Just a few minutes. And uh, that's where Satan wants to get you, in that arena right there, the arena of reason. Because if you, if you judge it by how you feel or how you look or how things look, he's won. He's won. And check up on your fellowship. Check up on your fellowship. Who are you hanging around? Who's your friend? 
You got some friends building you up. You got some friends tearing you down. You need to check up on your fellowship. Who you hang around with is very important. Who you hang around with is very important. Where you go to church is very important. There's a young lady that used to attend here. She's believing for a healing. And she wanted to be healed. And she was receiving the word and getting more of the word, getting more of the word. And I do uh, think that uh, if she had just stayed in it, I think that she would have received her healing. But she went to another church that said, God made you sick. He made you sick and He put you in that position. He put you in that wheelchair so that you could minister to other people in wheelchairs, things of that nature. Like, find that scripture and show it to me. What in the world are you talking about? Anyway, when you, when you, when you believe that, when you can come here and be prayed for, but then go back to... A, in other words, let's just say somebody comes in visiting from another church. And I'm not knocking any other church, but let's just say another church that doesn't believe in healing. Okay? And we pray for you here. And then you leave and then they, you go back to that church and they say, oh, well, you know, God doesn't heal anymore. Healing died off of the apostles. That does, he doesn't heal anymore. He just did that back then just to show his power, his sovereignty. If he doesn't do that anymore, that's of the devil. What? I've never been... In a place I shouldn't have been, let's just say in a bar or a nightclub before, and seen somebody healed. I never have been to the devil's house on Southside somewhere and went up in there and just seen somebody be healed. I've never seen the devil work like that. If he heals, how come I've never seen it anywhere before? You know, and they go back and they say, well, that's one of those full gospel churches. And I've never thought about this until yesterday, and I thought about this. That's one of them crazy full gospel churches. They believe in healing and they pray in tongues. They're full gospel. Well, let me ask you this. What else is there than the full gospel? You want to go somewhere where it's half the gospel? Two-thirds gospel? Now, we ain't full gospel. We three-quarter gospel over here. Don't even make no sense. Yeah, we're a full gospel. You know why? I believe the whole full gospel... Everything in the whole book, I believe. I'm even tempted to believe the part says genuine leather, but it don't feel like it. Really? Do you go to a crazy full gospel church? Yep, I do. I believe the full gospel. Call me crazy. They speak in tongues over there. They crazy. That's of the devil. Kevin, you ever been out to a club on Southside before and been talking to somebody, having a conversation, and them just right in the middle of the conversation stop and go, hey, I think I'm going to start... Talking in tongues for a minute. The devil doesn't give anybody the power to speak in the talking tongues or to pray in the Holy Spirit. The power comes from the Holy Spirit, not from the devil. So it's important who you hang around with. It's important who you fellowship with. It's important who you, where you go to church. Amen. Check up on your obedience because... We get into this thing of sacrifice, but obedience is better than sacrifice. It's better than sacrifice. In other words, actually do it. Actually do the Word. You hear the Word, but you got to do the Word. There's a lot of people that hear the Word, but they don't do the Word. There's people in this room right here that hear the Word every Sunday, but they don't do the Word. And you may do uh, part of it, but not all of it. I guess you're just a half gospel kind of a person, not the full gospel. 
Hear the word and do the word. Hear the word and do the word. How much of the word? All the word, the full gospel. Hear it and do it. Hear it and do it. Actually do it because you've got to resist the devil. The scripture tells us right here in James, the fourth chapter, the seventh verse. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. That's a scripture that you've got to do. Hear it and do it. Y'all with me? In other words, we can get on our knees and cry and pray, Oh Lord Jesus, please help me do something. Or you can just be obedient and say, uh, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. I'm going to stand on this scripture right here. I'm going to tell the devil, I'm going to resist him. And he has to flee. He has to flee in the name of Jesus. Demons have to flee in the name of Jesus. Amen? I told a young man just the other day because he's a young kid and I was thinking I can't just start unloading a bunch of scriptures on him. I said, we got to start somewhere. So I said, start here. He said, these voices are coming to him. I said, when those voices start coming to you, he's like, Levin. Satan starts on them early. I said, just start saying Jesus, 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 Jesus. Say it all day. Say it as many times as you can. Just keep on saying it. And I told him what this scripture right here says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess in the name of Jesus. You just say Jesus. There's even a song that says, when you don't know what else to do, just say Jesus. And I've done it before. I used to be attacked with these thoughts that would drive me just into a rage of anger. And I learned to say Jesus because I couldn't say Jesus and think about that at the same time. It's impossible. So I would just say, Jesus, 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 driving down the road, running the piece of equipment, whatever I was doing. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And then I quit saying it. If that thought was still there, I'd start saying it again. Now, I'll be honest with you. Some days I just wanted to be mad. I just wanted to be mad. You do the same thing. You know what I'm talking about. Some days you know you can just say Jesus. You know you can resist the devil, but you make the choice. I'm just going to be mad today. (laughs) He just needs a little inroad. Just a little crack for a snake to slither through. Resist the devil. James, the first chapter. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If you hear the word, but you're not a doer of the word, you're deceiving nobody but yourself. You're not tricking God. He ain't no fool. He knows what's going on. Hearer and a doer. Don't deceive yourself. You've got to be a hearer and a doer. That's important, the doing part. Therefore, whoever... Let's read this real quick. We read it last week. I'll go through it quickly. Whoever hears these things of mine and does them... I will liken him to a wise man who has built his house on the rock. Matthew 7. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on the house, and it did not fall. Why? Because it was founded on the rock. Hear and a doer. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine, who hears my word, but does not do them, you'll be like a foolish man that built his house on the sand. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. You can look at two houses that look identical. Both are beautiful. 3,000 square foot bad boys. Steep roofs that just look amazing with uh, dimensional shingles on them. They look awesome. Sod in the yard, looking good. Go around the backyard, swimming pool. Got one of those outdoor fireplaces. I mean, this is a pad. It's looking good. You know what I'm talking about? Both of them, they both look good. From the outside, it looks good. But there's something underneath that you can't see. One of them's built on the Word of God. One of them, somebody dug down and poured some footers. And this house is built on the rock. And this other one over here was just built on the sand. Now they both look good. But I can go ahead and tell you what's going to happen when the storm of life hits. 
The one that's built on the sand is going to go to the ground. But they both look good for a minute. Y'all with me? Here and a doer. Here and a doer. Both houses are hearing. One house is doing. And when the, the, the life, when Satan comes, one, the fall is going to be great. The other one's going to withstand. And I know from experience, sometimes you get hit. Sometimes a storm comes. You may have to call somebody over and help you put a couple of shingles back on. A tree might have fell across the backyard. You might have to saw it up with your chainsaw and haul it off. But your house is still standing, man. In other words, you might get hit and have a scar, but look how good God healed me. I'm still here. Mark, the 11th chapter, is very popular scripture here in this church. Have faith in God, the 22nd verse. 23rd, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. Keep on going though. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespass. Mm-mm. I heard that, but I don't want to do it. Be a hearer and a doer. Be a hearer and a doer. I've got to forgive them, but look what they did to me. A hearer and a doer. A hearer and a doer. That's probably the biggest do that there is. Is forgiving somebody because they don't deserve it. That sucker don't deserve me to forgive them. Did you deserve forgiveness? Did you deserve Jesus to go be tied to a whipping post? Stripped naked, tied to a whipping post, beat? Carry his own cross and nailed to it and hang on the cross for you? Did you deserve that? Well, no, you didn't and I didn't either. And that person may not deserve it, but guess what? Jesus died on the cross just the same for them as it did for you. And a lot of times you get so mad at people that you want to crucify them, but Jesus was crucified for them. Praise. Check up on your praise. And praise is faith at work. Praise is faith at work. When it doesn't look good, but you're still praising. When things aren't going the way you thought they'd go, but you're just still praising. Praising. Just praising. I've looked at people before and thought, how could you be um, so faithful? And how? I mean, you're praising. I'm looking at their life thinking, what in the world have they got to be praising about? I'm looking at the, the situation that they're in. Let me tell you something. They were way more spiritually mature than I was. That's why I'm looking at the, the outward appearance. I'm looking at reasoning. They should be laying on the floor crying, but yet they're standing up praising. That's the people that come out. That's the people that experience victory. That's the people that get to stand up and have a testimony and tell you how bad it used to be. And the mountain was big. But I was praising the God that was a lot bigger. Let me tell you about it. 
Let me tell you about the times that my flesh wanted to quit, but I just kept praising. Let me tell you about the times my flesh had divorced him, but I just kept praising. I just kept praising. I just kept reading the Word. I just kept standing on it. I just kept praising God for who He was and what He had done for me. I'm just glad to be here. Whatever I get is better than I deserve. Thank you, Jesus. Just keep praising. Just keep praising. See, anybody can praise when the sun's shining and it's 70 degrees outside and the checking account's fat. Anybody can. Anybody can be a fan of a team when they're national champions, but are you still a fan when they go 2-8? and eight? You find out who your real friends are when you go through a tough situation. You have nothing to offer them, but they're still there by your side. And God says, I'll stick closer to you than a brother. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. If there's anybody that's ever stuck by your side, it's Him. Stand in the face of unanswered questions and just keep praising because we've all got unanswered questions. I've got unanswered questions. But just because I don't understand it doesn't make the Word any less true. There are things I don't understand. I know it's hard to believe. I'm up here preaching to you and I don't know everything. Well, there's a lot I don't know. There's some of you out there that know a whole lot more than me. But I'm not going to question what I don't know. That just makes my unbelief grow. I'm just going to stick to what I do know. Just praise God. I don't understand it, but I'm going to praise you. I don't get it, but I'm going to praise you. I don't have an answer, but I'm going to praise you. Oh, Joshua and his men were praising before the walls fell. Not after. Anybody can praise after the walls fall. Anybody can praise after the victory. Are you with me? Anybody can. Of course you can. But Joshua was praising and shouting before the walls ever fell. Let's just read it. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. They stood outside, they shouted, the walls fell, and they went in and took the city. Amen. That's good news. That's good stuff. Abraham uh, shouted, he praised, he worshipped, he stayed true for 25 years before he ever saw the promise. It was 25 years. And don't you know he had an opportunity to say, I'm too old. Start reasoning things out. I know God promised it. I know He even changed my name. He told me I was going to be a father of many nations. But let's just get real. Let's just get real right here. I won't be realistic today. I'm 75. I'm 80. I'm 85. I'm 90. I've reached 100 years of age. Are you kidding me? I know He said it, but let's let's just use reason. That's not what He did. And when He was 100 years old... He became a proud papa. The promised seed was born. Amen. Anybody ever been in jail? You ain't got to raise your hand, but... <laughs> I think the last time I asked that question, I threw my daddy on the bus. I said, I know he has. I almost got put in jail once. I mean, I did get arrested. And they stripped me down to my whitey tidies. I did my fingerprints and all that stuff. My brother-in-law come bailed me out. Bad news. I hadn't been drinking a drop. Not a drop in years. But they were accusing me of drinking. Right? 
And my brother-in-law come to bail me out and me and him mess around, kid around. He walks in the door and he goes, you been drinking again, hadn't you? And I'm like, dude, don't even think, think I have. <laughs> anyway, that was a good one. Good times, good times. Who's going to get in the jail and praise? Paul and Silas did. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of God. They were just praising Him. They were just praising God right there in prison. They were locked up in prison. Prison back then, they didn't have cable television, three meals a day. I could go into detail as to what they really used to do to people and how disgusting it was. But there was a sewer above you and it dripped down on the prisoners' heads. But they were just praising, just praising, right in the middle of the stink. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. Suddenly, and that's how God shows up. You in prison, you feel like you're trapped in behind bars, you got no hope, and you just keep praising and keep praising, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. And you may have came in today chained up, but you can leave out free just the same. I'm telling you, you can just praise the Lord with chains and shackles around your wrists and around your ankles and just keep praising Him. Just keep praising Him. Let me tell you, you can be loosed. You can be loosed. Jesus was standing at the tomb. Lazarus was dead. He was stinking. He was stinky. His sister said, He stinketh. He stinketh. You want us to roll the stone away? He's been in there for a while. He stinks. He stinks. That's King James. He stinketh. We still use that expression around our house sometimes with the boys. You know what I'm saying? They took the stone away from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And the scripture goes on and says, I thank you that you always hear me. He's praising him. He's thanking him. He's thanking him and praising him in advance before the dead man came out of the tomb. Before they ever got out of prison. Before the walls ever fell down. Thanking, praising, praising your name. And then they saw it. He was praising. You know what? Lazarus comes out of the tomb. And he's wrapped in grave clothes. He's got grave clothes around. They've got him bound tight. And Jesus says, get those grave clothes off of him. You know why? Because he was a dead man wearing a dead man's outfit, a dead man's suit. But he's alive now in Christ. And he's not wearing dead man's clothes anymore. I'm going to give him a new outfit. It's called a robe of righteousness. And maybe you came in today wearing dead man's clothes. But let me tell you, you can leave out wearing a new outfit. And it's all going to start with praising him. And speaking of praise and praise team, y'all come on up. And this, today it started off with Matthew 17th chapter. I'm going to go back to it. We're coming around full circle right here. When Jesus had come down the mountain, kneeling down to him and saying, the man kneeled down and said, Lord, have mercy on me for my son's epileptic, suffers severely. He falls into fire, he falls into water, so I brought him to your disciples. They could not cure him. Now maybe you've, been in a situation like that yourself where you're down in a valley 
and you, you've been trying and you've done this and you've done that, but things aren't getting better. In fact, maybe things are even getting worse. And maybe you've asked for this person to pray for you, that person to pray for you. What I'm saying is you've tried everything in, in your natural power, everything that you know to do. But it, it seems like you're still down in the valley. Well, it seems like you're just still down here in the valley. Maybe you're down in the valley in your marriage. I've tried. I've read the marriage books. I've read the books about how to fill the love tank. It's just not working for me. I've tried real hard on this financial situation, but things just don't seem to be changing. I've been standing on the scripture about God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. But I'm just, I'm tired. I'm not seeing a change. They diagnosed me with this or that, and I've been standing on the Word. I've been reading healing scriptures every day. People have laid hands on me. They prayed for me. They've anointed me with oil. I'm suffering with anxiety and depression, and I've got these thoughts, and Satan's just attacking my mind and doing all these things. And you're just down here in this valley. I thought life would be so much different. And we've tried, and they've tried. And we've done this and we've done that. Well, here's the good news for you. Just like this man who was down there trying, a real man with a real son with real issues, he looks up. And Jesus is coming down the mountain. That's the good news. And the same Jesus is here this morning. And He's, he's ready to come down the mountain into the valley of your life. Right in the middle of your marriage, right in the middle of your sickness, right in the middle of your disease, right in the middle of your depression, your anxiety, right in the middle of your financial problems. He's the only one. Can you believe it? Can you receive it? Can you praise Him in the storm? There's some things we need to check up on and check up on our lives and how we're living, what we're doing and the promises we're standing on, the people we're hanging around, some things we need to change and some things we need to do differently. And the first thing this morning is just making that decision right there in your heart. Just recognizing that there is a problem and I need to work on it. And I know I've been down the valley and it's been dark, but I'm looking up the hill and I see somebody coming down the hill that's glowing and that's shining. Their face is radiating light and it's Jesus. And Jesus is coming down here in the valley right in the middle of my situation to lay hands on me. And I'm going to be healed. My son's going to be healed. My marriage is going to be healed. And I said, I like to put myself in the stories. I mean, you need to put yourself in this story and just see Jesus coming to you. Thank you for listening to this message from Seven Mile Ministry. 